Jesus speaking. The disciples gathered church. Jesus addresses two questions to his church today, or rather two versions of the same kind of question. His first question is indirect. He looks at the disciples gathered around him and asks this pointed question, who do people say that I am? The eager disciples begin raising their hands one by one and speaking in turn and naming prophets. Some say John the Baptist. A strange claim to be sure to our modern ears, for John had just been beheaded by Herod Antipas, but he was somehow possibly continuing his radical preaching ministry in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Others say Elijah... Elijah, the great prophet of Israel, swept up in a whirlwind, fiery valet of chariots and their horsemen, has come again in the person of Jesus Christ. How else do we explain these signs and wonders if he isn't the long-expected Elijah whose return Malachi foretold? Yet Jesus had taught his disciples earlier in Matthew that John the Baptist was Elijah's successor. Still others say that uh, you're Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. After the first question is asked and the responses begin to flow, what we learn from the disciples' reactions to Jesus is that when they put their ear to the ground or lean into the grapevine, or simply keep mental notes of what they've heard people say about Jesus, there is no popular consensus about Jesus' true identity. The best anyone can figure is that Jesus is merely a notable bearer of Israel's prophetic tradition. These kinds of answers continue today, especially outside of the church. My first encounter with a, an, a scholarly and academic uh, response to this very question was that Jesus was simply an apocalyptic prophet. He was predicting the end of the world, and this belief drove the energy of his radical claims. But nevertheless, uh, there were others like him, namely Apollonius of Tiana. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. There's a reason you've probably never heard of Apollonius of Tiana, who had a lot in common with Jesus, had disciples, was said to have performed miracles, was said to have been put to death by the state and even to be raised from the dead. But there is one notable difference, other than the fact there's only one source for this, and it may have been made up. The, the real difference is uh, Apollonius is dead. <laughs> I remember the professor asking me that question. I wanted to go up to him, and I never did, but I wanted to go up to him and say, where is Apollonius's church? Don't be intimidated, by the way, when you get to college and you run into just such a religious studies professor. I don't mean to be anti-intellectual. I just mean to be even more intellectual. 
Then there's C.S. Lewis, who answers some of these kinds of truth claims about others and truth claims that contest Jesus' own truth claims. Remember, if you've ever read any of C.S. Lewis' work, he asked the question, or at least he's the most prominent theologian I know to have made the question popular, about whether Jesus said anything true about himself and the way that he described himself. And if he wasn't who he said he was, then he must be uh, a madman. Because the truth claims that he made about God and creation and Israel and himself were so radical that they'd never been heard before. He even claimed that he had special knowledge of God and even claimed to be son of God. If he's not who he says he was, then there's something else going on with dear Jesus. If the disciples' reports are true, do we find it interesting that none of the popular conceptions of Jesus then or now relay, that they now relay, dignify the actual content of Jesus' life and words? He's not Jesus but a reflection of one of these other characters that they already know, whose identities they can already grasp. Notice that no one even says Jesus is a new prophet. How wonderful it is that we, of all generations, have the joy of being contemporaries of an actual prophet. Notice even more that no one says he is the Messiah. Who do people say that I am? Each of the answers to this first version of the question not only come up short, Jesus' impromptu Gallup poll also reveals that the people haven't been listening or watching closely. Already he has taught as one with authority and not as the scribes. He has performed healing miracles not by magic or conjuring rituals, but with immediacy by word or by touch, or even at great distances. This is another difference Jesus makes. He heals immediately, whereas his contemporaries who claim to be healers practice rituals, and it took forever, sometimes days. Even Elijah performed a miracle after conjuring a flame, or asking God to conjure a flame, and it happened, but it took time. Jesus, no time, immediate. He has restored the life of a little girl who died. He has given sight to blind and mute and even healed a woman that he didn't even plan on healing but who merely touched the cloak that he was wearing. In full public view, Jesus has spoken of himself as the Son of the Father. He says, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. But confusion remains. Who do people say that I am? But now, the question, the second version of the question comes to His closest followers, the twelve. When He asks it, they can no longer hide behind the thoughts of others. Now the question is posed to them, Eventually, everyone who becomes a disciple and everyone who does deeds of power in his name, that's us, must answer the crucial question. Jesus leans forward, 
meets them eye to eye and asks the most important question of all. But who do you say that I am? It is the most important question of all because once we answer it, our lives change forever. We can no longer pretend to stand on neutral ground. We have made an ultimate truth claim that differentiates us from others and even from who we used to be. Once we answer the question, we're never the same again. Once we declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we declare that Jesus Christ and no one else holds our destiny. Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus confirms his answer, saying Peter didn't arrive at this conclusion on his own power, but by God's power. Nevertheless, the question hangs in the air. Because of all the disciples sitting there, only Peter answers. What's going through the minds of the other disciples? What's going through our minds? Are they nodding their heads or raising their eyebrows in curiosity or even suspicion? Are they close to a confession but still unsure? Do our own doubts place us beside any of these silent disciples? with the question still hanging in the air, but who do you say that I am? Now let's go up on the high mountain with Peter and James. Now with the question still hanging in the air, but who do you say that I am? Stand in awe at his face as it's transfigured before us. We look and wonder, dumbstruck, awe, at the one whose face is shining like the sun and whose clothes dazzle like white flares of a dancing flame. Moses and Elijah appear with him, confirming he is not them, but that he has his own name. Who is he? A voice from the bright cloud overshadowing them speaks. This is my son the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now let the question hang in the air again. Come down from the high mountain to the valley. Walk up to Jerusalem with the disciples and walk with them outside of town, down the Via Dolorosa, where they hoist Jesus up on the tree. Let the question hang in the air as his wrists and feet are pierced and blood trickles down his forehead from the crown of thorns and his side is pierced and he breathes his last. Who do we say that he is, the wretched of the earth? Now let the question hang in the air again in the garden when we come rushing to and the stone is rolled away and we lean inside the tomb and find it empty and turn around and there he is in the fog, in the mist, his face just a bit unclear 
but he calls our name and makes a claim on us. Let the question hang in the air then. Who do you say that I am? Let the question hang in the air again as Jesus, the risen Jesus, leads the disciples up on the high mountain and he begins to recede from them and disappears into a cloud. Who do we say that he is? Now let the question hang from your own heart in the here and now. Who do we say that he is? This series of sermons, this third of three, has asked the question each time, why Christian? What difference does Jesus make? What difference does the church make? Why are we here as Christians still following, still gathering, still in fellowship with one another, hoping against hope in our good days and our bad, even when something horrendous might have happened to us, even when our dearest loved one might have died, we still come back through these doors again and again with all of our doubts and all of our faith. Why? Why Christian? Why be Christian? Why let this question hang on our hearts? I want to clarify that we are not Christian only because Jesus is a prophet, or a great teacher. Though he is both of those things. And he teaches us things that we could not have generated out of our own imagination or any human imagination. We are not Christian only because the church, in its most faithful hours, has raised up good things by God's power, like hospitals and soup kitchens and universities and soaring cathedrals and truly awe-inspiring traditions of music and the arts with a truly cosmic reach. We are not Christian because of some notion that Christianity shows us the way to the highest and best moral code or system of beliefs. For what Jesus gives us is not a moral code or a system of beliefs, but himself. God come to us in a person who comes face to face with us and asks us a question that makes a claim on us in the here and now and for the rest of our lives. Why Jesus? Why follow Jesus? In this sense, why Christian? Because when we look up at his transfigured face, we see the beginning and the end the Alpha and the Omega, the one in and through whom all things were made that were made. We begin to see in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that they compose for us an inexhaustible fountain of salvation for us. And that there is from now on only an eternal being drawn deeper and deeper into the reality of God in Jesus Christ. I suppose any sermon series that asks the question, why Christian, 
the pastor, him or herself, ought to provide some testimony of why they are Christian or are still Christian. And so I want to give you some sense, not to speak merely of myself, but to speak of my own testimony on your behalf and the hopes that perhaps yours and mine converge somewhere along the way, or some light I might offer shines in a dark place for you, just as light from you shines in dark places for me. But if I could sum up my own testimony as to why I am Christian and how this question, who I say Jesus Christ is, hangs on my heart, it is simply this. I can't escape him. I've tried. I have tried to doubt. I have tried to reason away from him. I have tried even in my own sufferings for the logic of suffering to trump the logic of his redemption. I have tried to move away from the church. I have tried even at points in my life to move away from my own pastoral call. But again and again, the question comes to me from his face shining like the sun, who do you say that I am? And every time I can think of no other answer than you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, and he transforms me and redeems me again and again. His gravitational pull keeps me in his orbit. In all my own life story, in the valleys and on the mountaintops, his question hangs on my heart, who do you say that I am? And even when I answer with great energy, just as Peter did, and get it right, and even when I sit in the silence of my doubts, I count myself in his company. And looking back across the story of my own life, recognize all the times in retrospect that even when I tried to leave him, he was hanging on to me, not letting me go, not even letting my sins come between him and me. Why am I a Christian? Because he never lets me go. Who do people say that I am? Oh, there are many answers. Who do you say? Who do I say? Who do we say he is? <laughs>